Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Nazim Kadri signed a seven-year contract with Calgary. The Locked On Pacific Division power rankings are out, and VGK is ranked fifth. What in the world? And the debut of What the Friday. Coming up next right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Today's episode brought to you by betonline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. I'm at Tony Dasco on Twitter. He is at TD Chris G. Please make sure that you subscribe today to the new YouTube channel at Locked On VGK. And we're also at Locked On VGK. And we are the Firestarters on Twitter. And Chris... I know that you wanted Nazim Kadri to be a Golden Knight. Islander fans are feeling awfully betrayed today as well. They've not made one deal. Uh, one of the top free agents, the center, Nazim Kadri, signing a seven-year, $7 million contract with Cal Gary. Well, we get to say Cal Gary, at least on this Friday morning. Kadri uh, last season, 87 points, 71 games with Colorado. The Flames losing Johnny Gaudreau to Columbus. They lost Matthew Kachuk to Florida in the offseason. Uh, Chris Kincadri, uh, along with Jonathan Huberdeau, can they pick up the scoring slack now? That's the big question for the Flames this season. So just, just kind of looking at this trade, first of all, I mean, think about where the Flames fans were, like, what, before the – when Johnny Goudreau signs with Columbus and then Matt Kachuk, all of a sudden he wants outs. Now, at least uh, the flames are still able to bring more pieces in. They got Huberdeau and now they got Kadri. So if you're a flames fan, talk about a, a wave of emotions for what you've gone through for the last, uh, last couple of weeks or so. So you still feel like you have your top, your, your top two uh, tier one type level talents coming into the next season. Looking a little bit deeper at where Calgary was and where Calgary is going, they still have two number one talents in Huberdeau and Nazim Kadri now. But on top of that, they got a first rounder in the deal with Florida, and then they got a prospect, Cole Schwintz. So, I mean, I think Calgary actually might have improved their situation a tiny bit, depending obviously on the output of mainly Kadri. Huberdeau, you know, is going to produce, but... Nazim Kadri, is he going to produce at a $7 million clip? I wanted him in Vegas. I wanted him to come here for another prove-it type bridge deal because it was clear for a long time, at least up until about an hour an hour from now yesterday, about 8 a.m. yesterday is when the news started breaking that Kadri was going. I was hoping someone was going to be able to, VGK, swoop up Kadri maybe in a 5 or a 5-5 five, five type deal because clearly he wasn't getting seven or eight million, which is where he wanted to be. Kadri uh, trusted the process. Is his is his um, agent Walsh by any chance? I have no idea. We should actually, we should look at that. I'm curious. Right. But 
you know, he waited and I think he won the situation and the flames just, uh, a la Alex Petrangelo just gave a long-term deal to a 30 plus year old free agents. We'll see how that plays out four or five years from now. I'm curious where they will play Nazim Kadri. Uh, they already have Lindholm, I think, as the starting setter on that top line, uh, penciled in with Huberdeau and Tyler Toffoli, which is a pretty strong line. And the second uh, line, the pairings should be probably uh, Kadri along with Mangiapani and Coleman. And that's a pretty strong top six for Cal Gary. Yeah, no doubt. And I think this is where Daryl Sutter needs to get his props and trust, and he's going to spin the dials. And if there's one thing Sutter's going to do, he's going to get maximum value, not just out of Kadri and Huberdeau, but he's going to get it out of your third third and fourth line grinders. And I think a coach like Daryl Sutter is – someone who can control Kadri in the event he decides to break bad at some point. Um, you know, Kadri made it a point to remind everybody that he was not a liability. I think that was the first thing he said after um, winning the Stanley cup and getting the microphone thrown in his face, which was basically his way of uh, throwing his hands up like Johnny Manziel on draft night saying, pay me. And he got paid and, you know, kudos to him for getting what he wanted. Um, I certainly side with the athletes in these circumstances. If they can get paid, I'd rather see the money in their pockets than, you know, the owners holding on to the money and not paying the money out. So good for Kadri. Um, not good for the Pacific, though, Tony. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, the Flames, we were just talking um, uh, on Wednesday with our friend from the Kings podcast. I kind of wrote, I didn't write the Kings off per se, but I was definitely concerned about them. And I think the Kings are going to be as competitive as they have been. Are they going to run away with the division? We can argue that maybe, but they're going to be very competitive. And now we have another uh, late entry to, uh, you know, the seventh race at Santa Anita, I guess, uh, you know, trying to uh, take down, take down the, the Pacific division. Yeah, it's the 13 horse from the outside coming in late. Uh, and they also traded yesterday to clear the cap space, the Flames, uh, Sean Monahan, And uh, it was for a 2025 conditional first-round pick to Montreal for your favorite future considerations. But you knew Calgary was going to do something, right? You felt it. You talked about it the other day. And you felt, again, with Sutter and everything that's going on there and what they've built in Calgary – that this could be a very competitive team. So really not that much of a surprise. What if you are the New York Islanders, however, because they thought that this was a done deal in signing Nazim Kadri. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some concern there. And I would think the sticker value of playing in New York versus, and, and no offense to, to, to a Calgary, but you just see what other people say about it from the taxes to the fact that it's, you know, Calgary. And again, I'm not, I've never been there, so I can't knock it. I would love to actually go there and, and see that barn one of these days and all that. But, you know, <laughs> New York or Calgary. I mean, I, I know if all being equal, but maybe the offer was $5.9 million. Maybe the offer was 6.4. I, I don't know. I don't know what the offer was and what was on the table. Um, but I think it's clear that if the difference was two or $300,000, I think Kadri seems to be the type of player who, um, he wants to get paid every penny he's, he feels he's worth. And I, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with any athletes uh, getting as much money as they think that they can and, and going after it because they're generating that money for the owners, their, their entertainment on the court or on the ice surface, whatever that may be. They're out there doing the job, so they should get paid. And he did get paid, and kudos to him for that. 
five years from now when he's 35, 36 years old, how is Calgary going to feel about this deal, though? Yeah, I don't know. And and to me, I've, I'm always concerned about career seasons for players. Uh, 87 points, I think it was, his past season uh, for Kadri. And coming off of that contract year, all that free agency. And then you just wonder, do they get fat, so to speak, you know, in the off season, uh, now signing, you know, a, a bigger deal, um, more term, if you will. Uh, I'm really concerned about that. That has to be one of my greater concerns about 80, this deal. 87 points this past season, 71 games played. And he um, plays against the Vander Kane more frequently now. Correct. So they can have a continue. I like, I, I like that, Tony. Good, good call there. Um, let's see. 2016, 2017, he plays 82 games, gets 61 points, 80 games the following season, 55 points. Um, he's never had more than 61 points one time, and that was his last season. So again, this is an example of recency bias getting someone paid. And Colorado was loaded, loaded to the gills with talent, as we know. Mm-hmm. I can't say that this talent overall is comparable to what the roster looked like in Colorado. No, Nathan McKinnon, uh, you know, and Kale McCarr around you, that certainly uh, helps. Does Calgary have equivalents of those players? Absolutely not. I mean, McKinnon and McCarr, I think more or less McCarr, when the when the, the book closes on his career, are going to be incredible generational talents. McCarr might even go down as, you know, the top one of the top two or three defensemen ever to play the game is what it seems like right now. McKinnon obviously is a generational talent who's going to be a generational talent for at least four, five, six more seasons at the top of his game. Uh, Jonathan Huberto, sure, wonderful player, amazing player. Some of the other players you mentioned, fine. But, you know, Kadri is going to need to carry the mail instead of, you know, the person uh, packing the mail truck at the post office, so to speak. Yeah, his role will definitely change. Coming up next, you know, they released the preseason locked on Pacific Division power rankings. They are out. BGK is ranked fifth. We'll discuss this next right here on Locked On Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is the fastest. It's the easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events, at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the National Football League. Things are getting into full swing there. The NBA, you've got uh, the NHL and all the future odds for the National Hockey League, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts they have you covered. Head to betonline.net today. You can use your mobile device to learn more about the action that is happening each and every day. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome back from Las Vegas. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Make sure that you subscribe to our new YouTube channel. Things are really picking up well there. <laughs> and every time, I'll tell you, on our at Lockdown VGK Twitter account, we tweet something, right? Some sort of information, anything. We create the firestorm and we enjoy it. We just sit back sometimes and enjoy. I get the popcorn out and I'll read all the comments from the fans. And so earlier this week, Lockdown Sports had the NHL's post-draft and free agency Pacific Division power rankings, although they might change because this is the day before uh, the Nazim Kadri deal went down. 
And uh, this was voted on by Lockdown NHL host. Uh, Not all. My, is my ballot still in the mail? Yeah, my ballot's in the mail too, Tony. It's my probably, you too. know what they do sometimes? They have like a, like there's a 20-page email. And then at the very bottom, hey, God, by the way, guys, why don't you vote for this? But I don't know if folks can see this at home. Can you You're good. That? Yeah, you can see it. You can see it. Okay, so there's our rankings. You want to read them there? For so the- according to other people in the lockdown world, we got Edmonton <laughs> on top, followed by the Flames, Kings, Canucks, Knights, Kraken, and Sharks. Um, I, I, I'll kick it off here. Um, I would, again, this have, This is before the Kadri deal is announced, folks. So I would... I, I would put the flames behind VGK just based on that. I think just based on that. I think the behind flames at the time, VGK. at the time, yes, without, okay. without Kadri, without okay. Kadri. If we're talking present time, I'm good with this. Okay. Present time. I'm good with the flames where they are, but before the Kadri deal is announced, I think the flames are behind VGK. Um, Vancouver above VGK. That is kind of surprising. Vancouver had a real good finish last year when uh, Bruce Boudreau went in there. And the last 40 or so games, I think he was, they were a playoff team. If you basically take their implied stats from the end portion of the season to the start of the season, they're a playoff team. Obviously, VGK was not, and Vancouver would have been farther ahead. Um, Do I necessarily still agree with the assessment based on the way the offseason has gone? I I definitely don't. Um, So I'm okay with the Oilers. Flames and Kings above VGK. The only only swap I would do, I would actually put VGK four right now. Um, there's a lot of unanswered questions. I think even with our uh, hometown bias, um, you know, love for the love for the VGK, I think four is probably where they should be, and hopefully they're going to exceed and overperform our perspective of where they really should be ranked. Okay, yeah, I would probably go with VGK fourth. Uh, the Oilers, uh, wow, they got a steal with uh, Matthias Janmark. I know that. He's on that roster now. Uh, they signed he, Jack he's just Campbell. The guy. He's just the guy, but yeah. They re-signed your guy, Evander Kane. Uh, and so the Oilers, yeah, I could see that. Uh, you could make a case for the Flames. Yeah, I think a solid number two. Uh, the Kings, still a lot of questions to be answered as we discussed with our counterpart the other day. And then, yeah, the Canucks, interesting team because I don't feel like they have the real superstars there uh, in Vancouver, but they just played better overall as a team within a team concept. Uh, The Ducks, no telling. Uh, Do the Ducks still have – I thought I had read, Chris, I thought that they had something like – they still have millions of dollars uh, to spend. I thought it was somewhere in the vicinity of – did I see $19 under the cap. So what are they going to do with all that cap space? That makes things interesting. The Kraken, as you mentioned, were seven. Um, and, you know, I think it's a pretty interesting division where, again, it's going to come down to that final weekend. It's going to come down to the final points. You have to have that closing kick. I feel as though VGK will be built better, correct me if I'm wrong, for the second half of the season with the new system with Bruce Cassidy. And, you know, everything, I think, that's happened, and I still they still have to make one more move. There'll still be at least one more move for the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll see one more change before they hit the ice here in September. I'm definitely with you. So going back to your question about Anaheim, it looks like roughly 18 million. 18. Um, okay. So I think uh, if I had to guess what Anaheim's doing right now, I think the Iser plan 
is in effect in Anaheim as well. Uh, referencing Steve Eiserman, what he has done with Detroit as far as he feels they're ready or they're close. So all of a sudden you go out and you pick up like what seems like four or five notable free agents, uh, most notably Andrew Kopp, actually, and a few other solid ones. Uh, David Perron, too. You know, so Detroit's done a lot of fun things in the offseason. I think Anaheim, assuming they want to spend that money and they're not, you know, trying the money ball technique because they just don't want to spend the money. I really think either next season or even the following season, they could make a push. And who knows if Zgress, Drysdale, McTavish and company, if they get out of the gate fast and they're playing about 500 hockey up until about, you know, late November, early December, maybe they do make a move because all of a sudden, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, fun things happening at the at the trade deadline. Um, Pacific is going to be interesting, Tony. It, it's not, it's definitely not um, the same Pacific it's going to be for the last couple of years. It's getting stronger. Uh, it's going to get tougher to compete. And um, during that time, VGK is going to keep getting older and all the other teams are going to keep getting younger. Um, you mentioned Vancouver. Vancouver is a team that's built around some good pieces in the draft, most notably, um, uh, Pedersen, Bo Horvat, Quinn Hughes. Um, but they just, outside of the, the, the series against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights in the bubble, it doesn't seem like those players are really getting it going. So I don't know if Bruce Boudreaux is going to get that, get them to the next level. It seemed like he was. And Vancouver Miller's just a solid piece, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Vancouver, they're, they're going to be sneaky this season. And if Vancouver emerges as someone not, not to compete for the division, but you know, either that third, um, that third division spot or wild card one or two, oof, that Pacific, all of a sudden that's not going to be easy. And now Calgary is still a, still a player too, Tony. Seattle's made some fun moves in the off season. And San Jose is really the only team I'll write off right now. That's the only <laughs> team I'll write off as, as, as not doing anything this season. Yeah, I think Anaheim is building this team for not this upcoming season, but for the following season, the 23-24 campaign. Yeah, yeah, we you talked about that on and offline before. I agree. Yeah, I think that that's going to be interesting how they spend that money and they're going to make some moves. And if they could just, yeah, they might make some big trade deadline deals there too if they continue to have that cap space. And if they're continually in the hunt, they were in the hunt for a while this past season. And I thought that they might stick there as a playoff team, but they faded a lot in the second half of the season. Hey, Chris, uh, we put up on at Lockdown VGK. Again, we like to stir the pot a little. So I put Jack Eichel, 22, 23 <laughs> total points, 90 and a half. I had to put the hook on there. But of course. I, do you think he's a 100-point scorer with the VGK this season? I think he can be, Tony. Um, I, I think, I mean, 90, 85, 90 seems a lot more reasonable. Can he get to 100 if he can stay healthy? You know, he is this generational talent, Tony. Everyone keeps cramming that down our throat right now. And he does have a better core around him in the top six, as well as, you know, pieces like Shea Theodore and Petrangelo on the backside who could contribute while he's out there too. So, yeah, I mean, just based on that, I guess if there's more points to go around, maybe he might not get as many of them because people like Theodore and Petrangelo can – can help in the back plus the, you know, the top six forwards around him. And so, but yeah, I definitely think he can, he's going to have more opportunities in Buffalo and he's not going to be the only person that the opposing team has to 
watch out for because there is a good top six around Jack Eichel. Eichel should be able to find himself a little bit more room. I definitely think his assists go up even more, and hopefully that can help players like you know Stevenson and Carlson and Marcheseau and someone like Riley Smith or Mark Stone who saw their goal totals on a per-game basis at least decline a little bit. So maybe um, maybe Jack Eichel's really going to help them. And then the unknowns of some of our, uh, you know, like a Brennan Brisswan or something like that. Okay, coming up next, the much-awaited debut of What the Friday, WTF. You don't want to miss it, and I gave us a lot of time on the back end there, Mr. Golick. Stay with us more next right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, Tony Cardasco and my man, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Our podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcast. And please, by all means, subscribe. You don't want to miss these two mugs. First thing in the morning, especially on YouTube at Lockdown VTK. So in anticipation to our inaugural uh, episode of What the Friday, okay, uh, we just put out, you know, a little teaser yesterday on our Twitter handle. And then we just watch people battle back and forth. So it's uh, what the Friday is basically something that you want to vent about, either good or bad, with the Vegas Golden Knights. Something positive where you went, what in the world? That's a great move, right? Or something negative. What the were they even thinking when they did that? So we, I just want to do one from one of our listeners and viewers, uh, Timothy Hansford. Uh, and this is going to be a popular, I feel, what the topic, uh, firing Gallant, hiring DeBoer will ever exist in my memory. I remember reading that and being like, this is a joke and ignoring it. What the, he probably said. And then it was confirmed like a million times. Still needed the presser to believe it. Gallant was, uh, was part, but hiring the Sharks coach, that was nuts. What the? I like that one. And that's uh, the truth, right? And fans are really disturbed about that move, and they still continue to be. And we're going to hear a lot about uh, the Flurry and Leonard comparisons and everything else. But uh, do you have a uh, what the to get things started? There? Yeah, no, I definitely do. This is a little more of the traditional one. We've hit on this topic before, but my what the Friday uh, is going back to Kelly McCrimmon and his statements about the season one roster being unsustainable my perspective on that season one roster is is super super simple right now kelly mccrimmon george mcphee why were you okay with that season one roster failing and why would you not allow that same roster the opportunity to succeed in season number two as a result of the trade starting with Tomas Tatar, Max Patch already signing, and just everything that kind of happened after that. Now coming into, we saw it possibly in season five, but definitely coming into season six, we are in a much different spot than we should have been as an organization with not having as many draft picks. Our talent pipeline four or five years from now looks like it's not bad, but in the next two, three, four years, we have to use low-level free agents, we're hoping pop lottery tickets, if you will, have to get lucky with some AHL players who might not be ready to 
carry them. LeCision had a great season last year, but he wasn't ready to play 41 games. Not ready to play 41 games. Maybe this year, but he was not ready for that. So my what the is for McCrimmon and not allowing the season one unsustainable, successful roster the opportunity to succeed in season number two. Okay, my what the... What was VGK thinking, first of all, in doing these miniature statues? You know, I'm, I'm triggered, man. The miniature statues, a.k.a. the busts, and I think that they are a bust, personally. Uh, I think up until now, they've released the first two uh, that they've announced already. And the first one is a Bruce Cassidy bust. And that's kind of a slap in the face because so many fans want a Marc-Andre Fleury statue in front of T-Mobile Arena. And then you start off with these miniature statues, and you the first one you have is Bruce Cassidy, who's not even proven himself yet. And so the second, though, is the one that really got me going. Okay, so that's on, Chris, September the 28th. It is the gold statue of Mark Stone. And he should be, ha- he should have one arm behind his back, by ha- behind his back, holding his back because he's still going to be injured with that. But they took a photo, okay, on the blue stinking turf in Boise, Idaho. Okay. If you are a UNLV fan, that is a slap in the stinking face. It really is on the blue turf of Boise State. Oh, there's a little Mark. It's got no meaning. What is Mark Stone doing? on the blue turf in Boise, Idaho. You know, UNLV should do, like, if you buy season tickets, you get a free pair of Nikes. That's, like, their latest promotion. Okay, let's put those sneakers on the ice of the SAP Center in San Jose. What the? (laughs) So the the fun thing about this, folks, just so you know, me and Tony don't know what our WTF, what the Friday comments are. We purposely... Don't tell each other. So this is, it's as much of a shock for me as it is for you folks out there listening. Um, <laughs> all right. I'll give you one more. This, this one's a little more fun. VGK, the land of, uh, entertainment and glitter and slot machines and just all the, the wackiness that happens. Obviously the same happens inside T-Mobile Arena. So what the Friday was VGK thinking? When they decided to have an organ player in the arena for the first 10 or 12 games or so in season number two, that fell extremely flat. That was not a good experiment. And I'm originally from Chicago, folks. I grew up at the going to games at the Chicago Stadium where the organ was built into the arena at the United Center where Frank uh, Pel- uh, Pel- Pelicano, Frank Pelicano uh, just grazed us with his uh, tunes, if you will, Every single game, and we absolutely loved it in Chicago. But in Vegas, this is not an organ player type of town for a Vegas Golden Knights game. And sure, they correct they corrected that problem, but for whatever reason, there was a group of people sitting around, probably at City National, around some boardroom, saying, hey, this is going to be cool. Let's get an organ player for the Vegas Golden Knights games, because this is what we want. And then uh, we've got another comment from at Joey B underscore O underscore D. Uh, what the trading patches for nothing, signing a blankety blank Leonard <laughs> and the GM keeping his job when Gallant was fired for nothing. 
Like you get nothing. And then uh, I think on a positive note, I think uh, Mark Stone's water boy, Vegas water boy, <laughs> 53. <laughs> uh, on a positive, what the, you know, what was maybe Washington thinking when they let go of uh, Stevenson? And that trade was a really good deal. Uh, and again, acquiring patches, he said, uh, Stevenson trade. Acquiring patches, the only surprises this team has ever given me. Anything else I've thought as likely or things I would do to this team, whatever. But yeah, you get it. <laughs> but they just they just keep firing away. And uh, at lockdown VGK is a good way to start. Uh, any other any positive? What does? Well, you you I mentioned mean, Chandler Stevenson. I mean, we have to mention acquiring Nicholas Watt too. I mean, that was. You know, Nicholas Waugh, according to many VGK faithful, is the next Marc-Andre Fleury because I apparently uh, said he made his contract was a tiny bit too much, and I got absolutely roasted by y'all on Twitter for it. But point being, acquiring Nicholas Waugh was certainly a very big moment uh, for the VGK, and that actually might pay some very good dividends. I, I mentioned this before. If Nick Waugh winds up being our line four center for most of the year, it's going to be a pretty good year, I think. If Nick Waugh has to spend a lot of time on the top six, I do think he is most likely ready to make that leap. But again, this is another player, Tony, going back to Kadri, if you will, who's off of his career year. He got paid and paid as such. Will he continue to at least match his financial outputs? Okay, we have one from Ella and uh, the female perspective. What the Friday trading flurry, the dumbest trade Vegas has ever made. And it made not only me, but 99% of the Knights fans mad, too. Especially after winning the Vezina Trophy. Why the hell did stupid McCrimmon trade him? Okay, I got a what the. I got a what the. You ready? <laughs> yes, sir. My, my what the is for the fans. Chill out. Chill out. This happens in sports, folks. Trades happen. Your favorite player will get traded or dumped. And it might be for nothing sometimes. I will still say this, though, folks, and you can what the me all you want after this. Things have gone well from a results-orientated perspective for seasons one through four. Season five, we did have all those injuries, which was parts of the failure. Honestly, I put season five more on DeBoer, which ultimately is McCrimmon fine. I put season five more on a combination of the injuries and DeBoer's lack of creativity than I do McCrimmon for the roster composition because – the season five roster, folks, was still our best roster on paper, and everyone seems to forget that. So my what the Friday goes to the VGK fans. Just chill out. I do honestly think the front office has gained enough of our trust, as crazy as it sounds, to at least sit back and see how season six unfolds. If okay. we get roasted the first 20 games, fine. Come get me, folks. But there is the benefit of the doubt, at least for half of next season, in my opinion. Get me, Tony. Okay, I just thought of one, too. Okay, uh, what the – okay, at the opening presser for Bruce Cassidy, they just glossed over the power play. I just thought of this one and remembered. And we went back and we dug into the numbers, and Boston's power play was not much better than the VGKs. It, it and they did just, this. It did this for like the last like, three years. Right? Didn't they? Didn't they just gloss over this, though? Bruce Cassidy's here. Everything's solved with the power play. We looked at the numbers, and they were 0 for 40-ish 
at one point the Boston Bruins. I mean, VGK was not even that bad in the power play. And now they just go, okay, and he's really good with the power play. You say, what? What the Friday? Why in the world would they even talk about that and make it seem like everything was solved at that point? And without Pacioretty on that power play unit, I still think they're going to have problems. And I'll I'll give you an, an extra piece of the parlay for that. Why was Kelly McCrimmon? Why did McCrimmon have to sit next to Cassidy for that press conference? I don't that that still just kind Those of my uh, eyebrows me a little if bit. If you're watching at home, do not be alarmed. Those are my eyebrows doing the McCrimmon. <laughs> so is VGK is this roster as we wrap up a week here? Is this roster, Chris, sustainable? <laughs> Is this roster going to be sustainable? They're stuck with a lot of players for the next six, seven years. It had better be sustainable now. What will they do if it's not? The sustainability of our roster for the next three seasons, with, without having all this in front of me, but my perspective of what I think the roster and the sustainability for the next three seasons is going to be, it's going to be what this offseason was. We're going to be up against it. We're going to have to find a way to milk couple million dollars here a couple million dollars there maybe make another trade move another key piece even coming into next season there will be some cap relief though for the next couple of seasons now we're kind of back on that train where the where the salary cap will go up a million two million one and a half you know each of the next xyz seasons until there's another lockout and over the collective bargaining agreement but for a while we're going to have the roster going or we're going to have the salary cap going up Long story short, if my only choices are yes or no, is our roster sustainable? The answer is no. You cannot have this much money tied up over all of these players north of 30. That's a concern. Contradicting myself a little bit, unfortunately, though, how I am saying VGK should have earned our trust for the first six seasons. So maybe maybe McCrimmon can spin the dials and milk players um, um not Mannion Field. Uh, how do you say his name again? I can never say it on the spot. Mannion. 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 You know, someone like Mannion can pop. Nick Watt, maybe he does become a 20-goal scorer. Maybe LeCision does take that step. Maybe Colasar, uh, instead of uh, getting 24 points, he gets 31 points. So maybe all these little things that need to happen do happen. Maybe uh, Pavel Dorofiev, maybe Paul Cotter, maybe Ron Bjerg, uh, Miramanov. Maybe those players can make a quantum leap. And maybe all of a sudden the unsustainability can become the younger players overproducing. If that happens, we're in a great spot. If the unsustainability is more looked at because Petrangelo is 30, whatever something, and Mark Stone's back is still what it is. Um, William Carlson and his contract that expires feels like a decade from now. You know, if that's what we're thinking about, then yeah, we're in a bad spot. If we're celebrating uh, Raswan and Mananin, and, you know, players like that just breaking out, hey, it could happen. <laughs> okay, uh, we leave everyone with this note. Oh, no. Uh, and I, I'm going to be in the stands saying, what the? How, why did we sign a player from the Czechoslovakian national team uh, for VGK? I say that because, as we saw the other day, Matias Sapovalev, uh, the draft pick, scored a goal. It was a two-to-one game. The Czechs were leading the USA. He made it three-to-one in that upset with his goal. What the? I, I've got to boo the guy off the ice. I'm all USA, USA. 
I'm going to wear my American jersey when I go to a Golden Knights game this season, and I'll be screaming at him if he if he's on the ice. Okay, you go do that, Tony. Go get him, Chris. I'll, I'll, I'll be wearing my Hutchinson jersey because <laughs> he'll be starting about forty-seven and a half forty-seven games. minutes into the first game. <laughs> Chris, have a great weekend. Great to catch up. Our first edition of What the Friday was, I think, I'll deem it a huge success. Huge, and huge. We look, we look forward to a lot of your comments on Twitter. As always, we thank you all for tuning in. Once again, thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. You can find us wherever you find your podcast. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That is what we're going to leave you with today. Ingrain it in your head at Lockdown VGK on YouTube. Thanks, Chris. Have a great weekend to all of you out there. We'll see you again Monday. For my man, Chris Golick, I'm Tony Pradasco. So long for now from Las Vegas. You've been listening and watching Locked On Golden Knights.